Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Controversial Jesus Part 4, Who's Following Who? Recorded Sunday, March 6, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. What are you called to be when you follow Jesus? I mean, for Brody, for Micah, for you, for me, what is it? What, what does it really mean? to be a follower, a disciple, if you will. We've been in Mark for two months, and I'm a slow preacher. I mean, we're only like in chapter three, you know, it takes a while. And if you are here last week, you know that Jesus picked a fight with some people who should have known better. He got into it with them about something called Sabbath, where they wanted to make a bunch of rules so that, so that uh, men and women would have to fall into line with their teachings. And Jesus just reminded them very simply, you know, the Sabbath was, was, not, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he just made this point that, that, that he, God has something better for you than a bunch of rules that are going to demand everything from you but give you nothing back. And so I want to jump right in because his popularity is exploding. People are tying into his vision and his message. And of course, his healing is becoming well-known throughout the entire region. So chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea and Jerusalem and Itamua and beyond the Jordan, those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. So he's emphasizing there's a large following. They heard all the things he came to do, so they wanted to come see him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, again, because he's afraid they're going to crush him. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions uh, pressed about him just to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. But he sternly warned them they should, that they should not make him known. I mean, so if you draw a circle about 100 miles around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus was at this time, that's how far people were coming. And, and m- many of them were ailing. They were coming to find hope for healing. Remember what Jesus told his disciples early in this series in the book of Mark when he said, you know, my mission didn't, it wasn't to come to heal people. It was rather to come to preach to them, to give them hope, hope beyond even their physical lives. And, and it kind of forces me to ask this question. Maybe you should ask it too. How much of me following Jesus is based on what I perceive God should be doing for me? And how much of it is based on what I need to learn from God about me, about you, about us, about him? So this isn't just a few thousand people, by the way. Experts estimate there would have been tens of thousands of people who were clamoring to be close to him. So you can imagine the chaos. And by the way, there's a major emphasis on crowds as you go through the next two chapters. Like on several occasions, and you can read forward about a chapter, you're going to see how it emphasizes. Mark says there are crowds and crowds and crowds of people, masses of people pressing on him. So it's the, it's the period of his greatest popularity. Now, just as in our day, anyone who can get a great, uh, 
proud following is regarded as successful at some level or another, maybe infamous like many are. And so the, the question we ask is, well, how many followers do they have on Instagram? How many people click into their YouTube videos? I mean, I was looking at just, I wanted to find out who were the top ones right now. The top 10 followed Instagram celebrities, every one of them right now are entertainers. And you wonder how many people in those crowds are looking for a, you know, a good show. And you wonder how many people who clamor to get close to Jesus today because he is famous are looking for some kind of a show. Mark is emphasizing the weakness the emptiness, the hollow worthlessness of popularity and how much damage it actually can produce. Jesus would not let what he really came to do get sidelined by his celebrity status because he came to preach. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it's as if though this through the season of great manifestations of physical healing, I think what he's trying to show us is, look, I can heal you. And how long is that going to last? Five years? Fifteen years? Then what? What's your life going to be like then? You know, the masses said, heal me. Okay, I'll give you another ten years. Then what, friend? Then what? Because for now, Jesus would heal them physically. But there'll be a day when that won't matter much. Because last time I looked, 100% of them and us, we die. And so, understandably show, so it, it, it's, it, the more that they know about him, the more that, you know, it creates massive curiosity about how he can even do those things and, and what, what it means for them. And so he said, I came to teach them. I came to lead them into a new way of living. I don't know why you're here today. You may very well need some form of healing in your life, whether it's physical or emotional or psychological or religious-style healing. I don't know. I'm just here to tell you, he's got a big-picture sense for what he has for you, and it may go far beyond whatever you're thinking. It's possible. Now, behind the healing of diseases, we're going to notice throughout Jesus' experience with people Oftentimes, there was the presence and power of unclean spirits. It's mentioned many, many times. What are these unclean spirits? And in our day, do these unclean spirits still exist? And if they do, this, this demonic influence, what does that mean to us, this demonism? I will say this, I know this, whatever it is, it brings out unclean things. Moral uncleanliness even physical manifestations. Been around the world long enough, and most of you have to know that when people are sick, when they're emotionally sick or physically sick, oftentimes it seems like there's something spiritual behind it, behind those ulcers, behind that anxiety, behind that fear, something spiritual. Now, I'm not saying that demonism is directly involved, but there's definitely a devil behind all anxiety, all fear, all the damage in someone's life. Jesus came to defeat that once and for all, but in the meantime, until he returns, it's going to be a battle, friend. I'm just being real with you on this, and I, you know it. I just pointed it out to you. So his ministry 
was to come and clean up the mess that the devil makes in people's lives. Let's read on, verse 13. And he went up on a mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and they, that he might send them out to, to what? To preach. To preach and to have power and to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. So they would have the same effect that he would. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Barangerus, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. Then Jesus entered a house and began, and again, the crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So masses of people. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. So of these 12 apostles, like unless I had just read the list or maybe you did something in Sunday school where you memorized those guys, you probably knew like three or four names. You probably got Peter and maybe James and John and maybe Andrew. I don't know. But, but think about the lengthy instructions that, that we get just to do something as simple as put together an, a piece of furniture from Ikea. Like, have you ever opened one of those boxes, dads, moms, and you go, oh, there's my weekend right there in that box. And then you do it and you say, uh, that's not how it's supposed to turn out. I mean, and they're very complicated instructions just for something as simple as that. Jesus doesn't hand them an instruction manual as far as we know. He just says, okay, go. Go, go out there and take my message. And uh, yeah, you get a heal. Uh, you get to do physical things that I do. You, uh, yeah, go. I'm thinking, Wow. Give me something. I'm Give me some kind of a manual, right? So he picks these 12 key disciples who open up the kingdom of God to the world, and they would go through the rest of their lives spreading the news about the kingdom. What do you get when you follow him and become his messenger? What do you get? And I want to challenge you today. If you are a believer in Christ and if you consider yourself one who follows Jesus, believe me, this is just as important to you as it was to them to hear this. Here's the first thing. You will experience his presence. You will be with him. I mean, have you, you know what it's like to have a mentor and they're really good at what they do? It could have been someone in the work world. It could have been a teacher you had that just changed your life. It could be like somebody in the spiritual realm and in Christianity who it just seems like they do it so well, you know, follow Jesus. And it seems like when you're with them, it's just better for you. You, you get more. You, you understand. You just can't get enough because they seem to have things figured out and you need more. And so you hang around them and you learn. I mean, there's someone great. Imagine being with someone great in your profession. If you're a student and you have, you're in athletics or in music, imagine being with someone great. No, imagine being with someone who's like the greatest. No, let's even take it a step. Imagine God is in the world and you get to be with him. That's these guys. God called them. Mark says the ones he wanted. 
And the more they hung with him, the more they got him, the more they understood what he was here for. And yeah, they had some huge peaks and valleys along the way, but 11 of them made it through. They understood his love completely. And I think the first step in following Jesus is realizing God loves me. God chose me. Brody and Micah, God God loves you. He he chose you. And because of that, I want to be better. I I want to follow him as he leads me. I want to go into the uncharted territories of my life and represent him. And why is that? Do I want more stripes on my discipleship sleeves? Not at all. It's because he chose me. He called me. I want to be with him. Now, think about this group of people. One of the sons of thunder who he mentioned, John, writes this. We love because he first loved us. And when you realize that, it changes you. And, and it transforms us. And it rubs off. You know, I, I was, uh, my, my father passed away um, about a month ago. A little bit more than that. And um, I don't get back to the neighborhood very often, you know, other than to see him. And now he's not there. So it'll be hard for me to go back at all. But I, I was at the service. It was before the service, actually. And, and this guy walks in from the neighborhood. I hadn't seen him in maybe, I don't know, 40 years. And I recognized him. He recognized me. I don't know how, but he did. And it's always kind of fun for me, like, when I see the old guys, you know? And so we're having this conversation, and we talk for a bit, kind of, you know, what's going on? And then he starts saying this. He goes, he goes hey, man, remember when? And then and he stopped, and I'm really glad he did, because there are people standing around. My eyes, my eyes are, like, dot, darting around, like, who's here? I hope Jackie doesn't hear this. You know, whatever it is. And and then he stops, and he goes, oh, yeah, I, thought, I forgot. You're like a priest or something, aren't you? You know, and I, I'm like, it tells you where he's coming from. But He didn't ask this, but sometimes people do. What happened to you? And I, all I can say is, I met a guy. You know, it's like he rocked my world. That's what happened to me. It rubs off. That's why we talk to you about being present here, like being present, you know, in, in the assemblies that we pull together so we can be with Jesus as a, as a large group. That's why we talk about so emphatically and so passionately about getting involved with Bible studies and rooted and being in the, in the rhythms experience that we're providing and element and CIY. Rooted kids, I mean, because he rocks us when we're with him. And then because of that, listen, a follower of Jesus, don't be afraid, you will preach. You will preach. You will proclaim him. A surefire way to know if you're with him is when you're willing to take him with you where you go. He sent them to go in his name. It wasn't some street corner with some sign and, you know, turn or burn kind of message you're shouting at the masses. It wasn't that for them. They just went and they represented him. They, they passed on what they were observing from him, what they were learning. 
And I will tell you, preaching isn't what you would normally think it is. It's not some guy like me, big mouth, who gets up and for 25 minutes says stuff. It's not necessarily that. It is that, but it's not that in its purest form. Sometimes preaching is just sitting with a friend whose life is collapsing around them and helping them pick up the pieces and offering them simple hope, hope that you found when your life was falling apart and is found in Jesus. Sometimes preaching is a mom sharing with another mom how following Jesus has made you more vigilant as a mother in leading your children and loving your husband. Sometimes it's that. That you're trusting God to walk with you in your life. Sometimes preaching is treating a customer with courtesy and respect even when they deserve anything but that. Or being overly fair when it would be easy for you to make a few more bucks and they would not, they'd be none the wiser. Sometimes preaching is showing up at your newly widowed neighbor's house with a plate of Eileen's cookies or if you bake better yet and just saying, oh, we're so sorry and we need you to know we love you. Can we help? Let us know if we can. That's preaching too. Sometimes preaching is having an open home and heart to your children's friends who, who start hanging out at your house and, 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 you know, for whatever reason, your macaroni and cheese tastes different than their mother's. I don't know why, but it does. And, and they just get to know you and you just love them up. And who knows, someday you have a chance to say, there is a God, there is a Jesus. And yes, sometimes preaching is standing on a stage or verbally speaking truth in a way that persuades people to know God. Yes. This is what Jesus is doing for me. Let me know what it is. Let, let me, let, me let, let you know what it is. Preaching is passing on the simple message that you walk with him. He is alive and he's rocking your world. That's preaching. Okay, and then because of that, because you're present with him, you can't, you don't have a message about him unless you're present with him. And because you're willing to, to, to speak on his behalf whenever the opportunity arises, and then th there's power that comes with that, power. You will get power to, to witness is a word that the scripture uses. You'll get the life of Jesus freeing you with a message that frees others. In other, as a matter of fact, I, I believe that we are in the freedom business if we are followers of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I feel like the, the family business that our Father sets us free with is to bring freedom to the world, a world that's desperately hoping for it. Because, because we are in the, in the business, and make no mistake about this, that, that there's a devil. I mean, he talks about this in the scripture, unclean spirits that have to be faced with power. There's a spiritual reality in the unseen world and the seen world we live in. Now, Satan's crafty. And I think he operates a little differently than he did back then. As a matter of fact, I would say he's still in the life-wrecking business. He just uses the, the latest mechanisms to accomplish it. You cannot read about Jesus and those he helped and not ask, was everyone possessed by demons back then? Because it seems like it's everywhere. And, and then I have to ask this question, maybe you would too, is that kind of oppression still present? Is it still around? 
Now, I know there's places in the world like Haiti and, and places in Africa and, and, and Asia and, and uh, you know, all over the world where the types of manifestations we see in the Bible still exist. And, and some of us would say, well, you know, we don't see that kind of thing. Well, maybe we don't see it, but it's nevertheless present. There is a massive curiosity about evil and the demonic in our culture. And you know this because of the amount of entertainment on our iPads, smart smartphones and smart televisions and, and, uh, and movie theaters, which focus on the evil that we're talking about. And it, and it still destroys families, and it still destroys marriages, and it's just a click away now. And that's how smart he is. He just says, I'm not, I'm not even going to worry about this thing of entering into them with these manif- I'm just going to give them a clicker. They can go there themselves. They got a button on their computer. They just push the button. See, he's crafty. And when we understand him, we understand that there's a, there's a power there. And we can't face that power without God's power. We just can't. We need God's help. And I feel like the most attractive thing that happens in a person's life is when they find freedom. To me, that's the most amazing message in the world. When someone walks into that world that they've been in for their entire life to date, and they go with freedom, because that freedom... That is powerful. So what do you get? What do you get if you follow him? You'll get him. You get to take him with you. But who gets to come? Who is called? I'm going to say this right now, and I believe it with all my heart. If you are here today, if you're hearing this message wherever you are, you are called. Well, you say, well, I don't, you, don't, you don't understand. You don't understand the, the mess that I'm bringing into this place. I bring a lot of baggage. Okay, so you overpacked. So what? You're still here. A disciple was not picked because of who they were. They were chosen because of who God knew he could make them be. Period. Now, you don't have to read the Bible very long and realize, man, everybody in the Bible that somehow had a God message, broken human beings misfits, goofballs. I mean, just look at Mark 3. You got some uneducated laborers, fishermen. He picked two guys names, whose names were, he, he named sons of thunder, which makes me very curious. At best, it means they had a flatulence issue. <laughs> guys, if you know what that means, you can ask your wife after the service. She knows what it means, I promise you, because of you. Um... Or, uh, you know, maybe it's just that they, had a, they were pop-offs. They, were, they had an anger issue. That's really what it meant. They, you know, these guys would pop off. Like, they, you know, they wouldn't destroy everybody around them whenever they faced them, you know. There's Peter who over and over again puts his foot in his, his, foot in his mouth. He, as a matter of fact, at one point, Jesus will call him the devil, okay? There's a guy named Thomas who I guess doubts a lot. There's some radical zealots who'd been wrecked by rebellion and hatred, and then they threw a tax collector in the middle of that group so they could just fight all the time at the, at the fi- campfire about what he did to them to, to steal from them. And, and the only guy that seemed to be worth anything was Judas because he could count. Now, man, 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 if I'm starting a church movement today, like I'm, I'm going to go for a couple, like, m- couple money people who, who really get how you fund a, a movement. Got to have those people. Uh, there's going to be some woo people, you know, some 
great worship leaders and people who just draw people because of their talent. And then there's going to be a couple of theological PhDs on the team who can keep me straight, you know, because I, you know, I need to have that kind of accountability. And, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be a couple with political connections so that if the, the government starts getting involved, I can send them out for some political purpose. See what I'm saying? Look at who he chooses. I'm going to pick guys who are raw, who don't like each other, some who have anger issues, some who haven't cracked a scroll open, a guy who overtaxed the fishermen in the group, and Judas, you're in too. You know what that proves? There is no human being on earth who can stop the plan of God, even you. But he still calls you. What can I expect if, he, if I follow? I think it's a fair question. I'm glad he doesn't sugarcoat it. If I follow him, I can expect criticism. He was criticized, but when he could, he avoided the conflict. It says in verse 21 that his family even comes with some conflict in their hearts. Have you lost your mind? Get out of there. Come on, let's go home. His mother was there. The, the girl who an angel appeared to and said, uh, you're giving birth to the Son of God. She was there because you can forget. You can forget that, that God has a plan that's bigger than you. I mean, I, I feel like everyone who follows Jesus at some level or another, who, who, who gets into his path for their life, at some level or another, you're going to face criticism and controversy. You just are. Like I'm thinking about a, a, you know, a, a person who I could describe, and maybe her parents, maybe her family, maybe her friends would think about her. Well, she went to the university. She became a teacher. She was really good at this being a teacher. She started to build a career. She got that state retirement thing rolling. That's a good thing. Uh, she joined the organizations. I thought she'd probably end up at senior high and maybe become a principal or something more. She's doing what? She's moving to Africa? What? Is she nuts? She lost her mind? There are people who don't understand that kind of thing. Well, we raised you to be a good, and you can, name, you can name the mainline denomination. I'm not going to. You fill in the blank. We raised you to be a good. We baptized you as a baby. We thought you'd baptize our grandkids just the same way we did. What do you do? Are you some kind of cult over there where you're going? Where they say that they got to make a choice for themselves and be baptized by immersion in a later time? Are you nuts? Just visited with the hallway, out in the hallway with someone who had that very story. You're visiting with your accountant. It's tax time, believe it or not. And your accountant says, you gave how much to that church? Well, that's, that's a lot of money. And, you're, and you know, you're, you're thinking, yeah, I gave that much. You walk out and they say, they're nuts. That's what they think. Jesus is relational and he came to change your life. And you can expect criticism. You can expect confrontation. But don't create it. Jesus was not afraid of conflict when he chose it for the purpose that he came for. You know, there will be some who will come and they will come with a woman. They will drag her through the dirt and throw her at his feet and they will pick up stones and they will say, do we have permission do we have permission to stone this harlot because the law says we should? 
And he'll, he'll pick that fight any day long, any day, all day long. Because he came to save people like her, not to destroy them. He stands between they and her. He confronted these religious Pharisees when they, when they put procedures over people. We see it all the time. When it's time to stand or flee, when they come to arrest him, he stands. That might happen to you. I'm not going to tell you different. I don't know. I just know he's with you. I know he has a message that needs to go through you. And I know that you'll have the power if you need it. Lord, as we commune today, we tie into your power. The hope, the forgiveness, the, the communion is so many things. In our remembrance today, it's, it's this too. It's that you called us to this table. You opened up this banquet hall and you said, I want you to come. Come just as you are. And leave a little different. Leave a little bit more ready to take my message and my power with you. Oh, Lord, what a table. It's amazing. Thanks for inviting us. Jesus. I think there might be a few unclean spirits still roaming around in the world. there might be a reason why God might still need people we'll face that face it with mercy face them with love face them with hope face them with hope beyond hope is that possible this enemy that exists Jesus says is a liar and there's all kinds of lies that we believe about ourselves and this world because of it and I think one of the most pervasive lies that we tend to believe is what can I do what do I got I mean, you got at least as much as the pop-off brothers have had. You got at least as much as the guy he would want at one point call a devil. You got at least as much as that doubting guy who even at the resurrection, when he looked at him, he said, I can't believe it. You got at least as much as anyone else he's called and sent. Well, do you have this? Will you follow? Will you know him? Will you go on his behalf? And will you go in power, his power? It's nothing less or more than that. Those guys and some others, within a generation, it says, the entire world turned to him, to Jesus. Those guys. Why can't it happen again? 
they can if we'll go. Let's go. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.